average, homeschoolers measurably outperform traditionally educated students in test scores, admission rates, and graduation rates. But is that the whole story? Megan Facero, the homeschool outreach coordinator for Benedictine College, will enlighten us on how homeschool grads perform in college. Welcome to Homeschooling Saints, the podcast that helps you create the homeschool you love for the people you love. Our host is Lisa Maladnik, a Catholic life coach, TV host, best-selling author, and an instructor at Homeschool Connections. Hi, I'm Lisa Maladnik, and today's topic is how homeschool grads perform in college, and with us today is Megan Facero. Megan is the Homeschool Outreach Coordinator for Benedictine College in Atchison, Kansas, and has held various positions at Benedictine College over the years in the student life and ministry departments. Along with her work with the Office of Admissions as Homeschool Outreach Coordinator, she is also a study abroad program director and a parent outreach coordinator. Her best job title, however, is Homeschool Mom to Julia, who will be a junior in college in the fall. Megan and her husband, Matt, live in rural Atchison County, Kansas. Welcome to the podcast, Megan. Thank you so much, Lisa. I'm so excited to be able to have this conversation with you and with all of your listeners. Oh, I just really appreciate your time, especially, uh, you know, just knowing that you're so busy. Really appreciate this gift of your presence for us. Please tell us a little about what it means to be a homeschool outreach coordinator. Okay, I'd love to do that. So, um, like, I, like you said, I work for the Office of Admission, and my specific role with the office is to help connect homeschoolers with Benedictine College. And, you know, we have a whole office of admission professionals who are ready and waiting to help any um, student who is interested in Benedictine. But it does take a little bit more effort to reach out to homeschoolers. You know, um, our regular traditional admission counselors can go to a high school setting at a public or a Catholic high school between the hours of nine and three, and they can catch um, a lot of students that way. But we homeschoolers are a little bit harder to locate. You know, we're all in our, <laughs> our own homes or we're visit. We have a homeschool co-op that meets one day a week um, or we all kind of congregate to a certain parish. And so it, it really helps to um, have someone who can kind of navigate those certain ways of reaching out to homeschoolers. And so that's my role is to um, help reach out and then also provide support for homeschoolers who are going through the college admission process. Oh, neat. And having homeschooled yourself, you obviously have a heart for homeschoolers. Yes, I always say that I feel like I'm doing the best job, second best job. The first best job is being a homeschool mom. I honestly <laughs> believe that. Um, and so if I, my daughter has graduated from my homeschool, so I kind of thought to myself, what am I going to do next? And I do have another love in my life besides homeschooling, and that's Benedictine College. So I graduated from Benedictine, and I met my husband here. Uh, my daughter is now a student here. So we are a big Benedictine family. So I love the idea of connecting um, these my favorite families, these homeschool families, with my favorite college, which is Benedictine College. So I feel like I'm in the second best job in the world. That's fabulous. And your joy is so palpable, Megan. It's really fun to talk to somebody who's happy in their work and is kind of living out an authentic call. And I love to see, and I mentioned this whenever I uh, really notice it happening for someone or my perception of it is that God weaves this beautiful interconnected web in our lives. He draws things together over time. And you look back and you can really see his hand guiding, right? 
Yeah, that's really beautiful that you say that because like I said, we have one daughter and I always wondered, you know, Lord, what is your plan for our family? We're a homeschooling family with just one child. And we knew that, you know, that time of homeschooling was going to be a short span. And so when she graduated, we, um, you know, to, to be able to continue working in the homeschool world is just such a blessing for me. I'm, I love working with homeschool families. They're just some of my favorite people on earth. Amen to that, because I raised uh, an only child, a daughter as well, who's now in college. And being able to do this podcast and talk to other people connected with the homeschool community, and of course, I still have friends in the homeschool community, it's just a joy. It really is. Yeah, it's a great way for us to stay involved. Yeah, amen. All right, so let's talk about our topic for today. Um, What are... You know, we, I mentioned some that statistically homeschoolers perform above average in various categories, and that's all fantastic and true. Um, of course, there's a lot of variety and a lot of different backgrounds and young people and issues and schools and programs. But what are college professors seeing at your end? What are they feeding back to you as far as what they're seeing in the homeschool community coming into the college environment? Yeah, well, the the reason I even began kind of researching this was because when I took this role as the homeschool outreach coordinator, I just mentioned it to some faculty and staff here on campus. And then um, as people got word of my new position, a lot of them had things to tell me. You know, some of them would just say things like, oh, I just love having homeschoolers in my class because I know that they'll read the syllabus. They're going to chart out their whole semester on their calendar, and they're going to make sure that they're ready for whatever comes their way because they're kind of used to working with the syllabus um, at home, their homeschool syllabus. And then I had others who said, oh, if you ever get a chance to talk to homeschool parents, please tell them this, give them this advice that I have. Um, so I thought, well, I've been going to homeschool conferences as a mom all of these years. And I, I just wanted to come and share. I thought this is news that homeschool parents need to hear. First of all, they need to hear how much professors love having homeschoolers in the classroom. It's such a refreshing um, reminder to us that what we're doing is really working and bearing fruit in the world. And then I love sharing the advice too. You know, sometimes it can be kind of hard to hear because we we uh, are doing our best and we're juggling so many different things. But I think it's only can be helpful to us and to our students um, as they prepare for college. Mm, absolutely. We need to really hear the whole picture. And it's what a gift to be able to hear this feedback while we're still bringing up our kids and to be able to say, oh, okay, these are some things that I can do to fill in the little gaps that may be appearing. And of course, this will vary from family to family, but let's get to some specifics. What are they seeing? Okay, so I love to start with the positives first because um, I just think it always feels good to hear them. And so um, professors have told me, and I kind of just started keeping a list of some of the traits that they mention about homeschoolers. And they say homeschoolers are detail-oriented. They have a sense of curiosity about their work that they um, don't see in some traditional school students. They can be more independent, um, kind of ready to work on their own on projects and set goals for themselves. A lot of them say they're not afraid to come and talk to the professor. They're good. They like that one-on-one connection with a professor. And that can be really impactful on a student's success in college if they can have a one-on-one relationship with a professor. Um, they say that they're some of the best readers. In fact, our um, professor, chair of our history department, who is the 
the recipient of the Rome Prize, says that homeschoolers are some of his best read students in his classes. And I just love hearing that. Um, they also say student, homeschoolers are on time for class. They're ready for the classwork. They're in constant communication with the professor. So just lots of really great things, along with just... Um, also just contributing actually great content to the discussion. And I, my specific story on that is that um, President Menes, the president of our college, his wife Amy teaches in our um, education department. So she teaches teachers, future teachers, how to teach theology. And, um, and so she says some of her best ideas on teaching theology are coming from homeschooled students who are learning theology in the home and who have great ideas on how to teach it. For example, um, she said, let's talk about how to talk about the community, communion of the saints. And homeschoolers started raising their hands in the classroom and saying, okay, my homeschool co-op used to always get together on the Feast of St. Joseph, and we would do a woodworking project. And, or um, they would uh -huh. say, our, our homeschooling co-op would do a, a parade of saints on the Feast of, the, of All Saints. Um, so a lot of these ideas that homeschooling families and co-ops are using are hopefully will find their way into our Catholic school classrooms in the future. And so that was really one of the first um, things I heard that I thought, wow, homeschoolers are really having a great impact on our college culture and then out in our parishes and our families um, beyond that as well. Oh, fantastic. All right. So that's some of the good news. Tell us where we need to work a little harder. Okay, well, that's a great question. Yeah, a lot of professors had some really nice advice for me. And the, the advice is coming from people who are homeschooling parents themselves and now are professors, you know, in, in our, at the college here. And also, we actually now have homeschooling students who were homeschooled all the way through, went to college, and now are doctors of philosophy um, and other, uh, other areas here who are now teaching at the college. So they, they have some really nice homeschool experience. So a lot of their advice is coming from that perspective. You know, they're... That's fantastic. I mean, yeah, which is, it is really wonderful. So some of the advice that are, that has been shared with me um, is that sometimes homeschoolers can be underprepared for taking notes in a, a lecture setting, which obviously makes perfect sense because right. I know I, I never lectured my daughter in our homeschool setting. And, <laughs> um, even, when she, even when she was in online classes, there was a lot more debate and discussion going on. But uh, the lecture is definitely a part of college culture, um, no matter what uh, major your student will be participating in there, they will need to be able to take notes. So one piece of advice I have for parents is maybe during those high school years, just put on a TED Talk or a Catholic speaker from YouTube or um, take your student to an actual live, you know, Catholic speaker at your parish, a, a mission or something, and have them practice taking notes. And one way I think you can see whether they're being successful is have you can take notes as well. And then the two of you can compare your notes afterwards to see, did we both catch the main points of the of what the professor or the speaker was trying to get across to us? Um, so I think that that can be a really easy way to incorporate that into your homeschool, high school years at some point. Um, another thing professors have told me is that sometimes homeschoolers are unprepared for deadlines. Oh, and they actually, one professor who's a homeschooling dad himself, he said, 
tell those homeschoolers that deadlines really are deadlines. They do mean something. And I, I can see where he's coming from because, again, I didn't impose a lot of deadlines on my daughter. I always kind of took into account what our family had going on. And if we were going to be gone for a weekend and I knew she couldn't work on a specific project, I, I would just adjust the deadline. But we all know that like in college, as in life, there are some deadlines that really are deadlines. And so I just suggest that as your student, you know, enters into those junior and senior high school years of high school, of high school, um, to just be sure to impose a few deadlines and then and stick to them. Um, it doesn't have to be for every subject or every um, activity, but just put a deadline on your student and expect them to meet the deadline. Gosh, that makes so much sense when you think about we have these great strengths and all this flexibility, and that's one of the great benefits of being a homeschooler is that we can pick up and go and maybe go to Colonial Williamsburg to, you know, to reimagine history. Exactly. but, but at the same time, we lose touch with that, that ticking clock of the college environment. That's right. And we know, yeah, as our students get into that um, college environment, they're going to be in a class with, you know, 10 to 40 other students, or depending on if, where they go to college, it could be in a lecture hall with 150 other students. So um, they, you know, they need to be able to meet those deadlines that the professor is setting for them. Mm. Um, so another just kind of sweet piece of advice that I got from Father Marion, who is one of our Benedictine monks at the Abbey, he teaches history for us. And he, he said, tell the homeschoolers to practice writing their names on their papers. Because <laughs> he said that if he comes up, you know, with a someone turned in a paper without a name on the top, he just goes down his class roster and, and sees which ones were homeschooled. And he says, all right, it's got to be one of these two who was homeschooled oh because our students are not used to putting their names on papers. That's hilarious. Um, it is. It's, it's <laughs> hilarious advice, but it's it's really true. I remember my student turning in papers to me, you know, and, and didn't have a the title for the paper or the date that she did it on in her name because she figured I already knew all of that information. But um, we know that college professors need to know so they can give your student credit for that that paper. They've got to have their name on it. That, that's kind of just a sweet one that always um, makes me laugh when I, I think about that advice. Um, and yeah, another thing that I think homeschoolers could do with their students who are still in high school is have them use a planner. While it doesn't matter if it's electronic, you know, on their phone or if it's an actual paper planner, students still use both of those um, nowadays. Like paper planners are still very popular. And and here at Benedictine, if a student is applying for a leadership position, like a resident assistant or a ministry position, they are sometimes asked to kind of show the interview committee hey, do, do you mind sharing with us your planner? How do you keep track of everything going on in your life? And so I think students need to be prepared to have practiced using a planner before they get to college. They can use it to track their, you know, to prepare themselves for their whatever their spiritual goals are, are for themselves, their athletic goals, their um, academic goals. So that's what they're going to have to be doing in college. So I think students should, should begin practicing that in high school. Absolutely. It's amazing, too, the feeling of control it can give a young teenager. My, when my daughter was 13, I started teaching in a classical co-op that she was in. 
And it was just recommended that all the students have planners because they were going to be juggling several classical subjects for that day and for the week and have to come back again. And so I handed her a planner going, gee, I wonder what's going to happen. (laughs) And she took to it like a duck to water. And not everybody does. And not every planner as for, you know, like we have a whole, I'm going to put it on the show notes. We had a speaker for our summer conference this year just show us a whole bunch of different kinds of planners and the different temperaments that they suit. So uh, we can add that link in. But yeah, great to practice with that and give them a sense of managing their own deadlines, projects, workflow, etc. Yeah, I think so too. And I love that it, it does kind of show something to an interview committee if your student is able to balance their own uh, commitments. You know, that's something that's really important for a leadership position. They've, they've got to know themselves a little bit, too, to know how to do it well. I mean, it's a process uh, from note-taking to, to using a planner. All of these things develop over time. And so the more time we can give them to develop, I would think, and kind of get a system of their own going, kind of recognize their own kinds of notations and how they put down a keyword during a lecture or how they note something of you know uh, uh, urgent importance on a planner, that their system starts to take hold. Yeah. Oh, I think so too. Um, Another thing that I think we can start doing pretty early on with our students, and I'm sure some families are doing this beautifully. So a lot of these, this advice doesn't apply to every, every family. Some families are already doing a lot of these things. But one piece of advice that um, the homeschool, a professor here in philosophy who was homeschooled, she gave this piece of advice. She said, homeschoolers sometimes come into the classroom ready just to get to work. They're just ready to just come on and sit down and they expect the professor to just get right going without um, taking just a few minutes for some of those in-person social um, graces that, um, that professors really appreciate from students. So just having a student come in and say, good morning, um, Dr. Smith, you know, it's, it's great to be here. How are you? How was your night last night? What, how are you? To kind of, if we could have our homeschool students be those students who have practiced those social graces, I think would be a beautiful thing. And I, and I always laugh because, you know, when my daughter would come down from her bedroom for, to start the day, sometimes we would get right into it. You know, it's like, all right, what do we have going on today? We didn't take a, a lot of time to say, good morning. How are you? How was your night last night? Um, but if our, we should practice that, you know, it's something I wish I would have done more with my student just to, just to practice taking that time before we got into the school day to just kind of appreciate each other, um, realize that this is a relationship that we're in and, and prepare her for that kind of relationship with a professor and fellow students when she gets to college. It's interesting to me to hear you as the mother of a, an only child like me that, because I remember that in the high school years, we had so much to do every day. We had to, you know, f- sort of check off all the boxes. That's That was my attitude. And in some ways, I re- regret that. But, you know, uh, I wish we had taken more time. And I, and I feel like it, you don't have to have nine, 10 children to feel like you're constantly under the gun and missing those opportunities. It's a really good point. Yeah, I think it's just a good reminder to all of us that those social graces are going to, whatever we can impart to our students about social graces is going to happen in our homes. And then as we, we are responsible for that. And then when we send them out into the world, they're going to brighten someone else's day. They're going to be the ones who are going to be taking the time to say good morning to the professor and not just be re- ready for a transactional experience in the classroom. They're 
Um, we want them to have a relationship with the people in their classroom. Exactly. And that's one of those words that you hear all the time from inspirational speakers in entrepreneurism, in all sorts of areas, especially entrepreneurism. I feel like there's a lot of podcasts and things out there right now where they talk about relationships being everything. And for our students, I don't see why that would be any different because obviously they need to do all their work and do it well. But if they're not having those relationships, like you said, the, the homeschoolers will come for one-on-one conversations uh, with the professor. They like that. Um, they're accustomed to a certain amount of individualized attention. But the more those relationships are built, like as you said, with the social graces, not just I'm here to be educated by you, but I'm here to have a relationship, to see it that way. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a beautiful reminder for us as homeschooling families. So that's something we can work on. And that's exciting, you know, to have that as one of our tasks every day to just help our students practice social graces. What a, what a beautiful task that we get to, to undertake with our students every day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so in terms of uh, just uh, what advice do you have for the students themselves. Obviously, the parents are going to want to give them opportunities to take notes and to practice social graces. What would you say to the students themselves as they're looking forward to college as far as what the difference is going to be and how they can best get themselves ready to go? That's a great question. So, for students, I always tell them to kind of practice, start, uh, start practicing living a balanced life in high school because in college, they're going to be pulled in many different directions. And actually, professors and residence hall directors have told me how wonderful it is to see homeschoolers when they get to college. They are ready for everything. They're not burned out. They haven't been in, um, involved in too many you know, group activities in high school. They, they're, they're just excited about student organizations, student government, um, being involved in their halls, programming, you know, homecoming events, things like that. These are all new to them. And so they can find themselves, you know, pulled in many different directions. Um, so some advice I would have it to be to just always be focused that make sure that you're involved in one activity that is um, helping you um, advance in your faith life. So whether that's in, you know, practice that in high school, maybe be involved in your parish's youth group if you have one or um, start a Bible study with your friends, something like that. So always be doing some activity to, to advance in your faith life so that when you get to college, you'll also be seeking out an opportunity like that. Um, also, always have something that's academic. So in high school, if there's some subject that you're really passionate about, be sure to be involved in something academic outside of the classroom. That'll help you determine what your, where your passion really lies. And then when you get to college, do the same thing. There are many different student clubs and organizations that are focused on academic um, content, but they're kind of a fun take on it, like a, a French um, group of a students, a group of students who like to speak French together, get together here once a week for tea and snacks. And, and so, um, you know, get, be involved in some type of academic activity to kind of keep that part of yourself fresh and, and um, searching for your passion. And then finally, don't be afraid to just be in some activity just for fun. So if that's intramural soccer or um, a film club on campus or a swing dance club, whatever it is, um, I just always recommend that homeschoolers be sure to make that a priority to just make sure that you're involved in something that's just purely, purely for fun. So you've got all kind of aspects of your life covered, your community, your faith, and your scholarship always um, in balance. And so you can start doing that in high school as well. 
Mm, it's so beautiful because um, having those opportunities there all around them and to be in a community of young people and many of them dorming, of course, when they go off to college, if they choose a Catholic college like Benedictine, they're going to find a culture of Catholicism there to step into. It won't be such culture shock. And yet, when our students do go off to secular campuses, they bring that light with them and there can be Newman clubs and other opportunities for them to connect and continue to grow their faith. Um, how wonderful, though, when they land at a place like Benedictine where the faith is fostered. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, there are so many beautiful um, moments that happen, you know, outside of a outside of the class, in and outside of the classroom on a Catholic campus. But I always tell students, no matter where you go, you're always going to be in this position where you're going to be looking at other students who are great examples and mentors to you. They'll be living their faith in ways you didn't even realize were possible, but there will always be someone also watching you. You'll always be that person for someone else who is maybe not as far along on their faith journey. So no matter where you go, just I always tell students to be looking ahead, looking at other students as great examples, and then be ready to be that example for other students as well, no matter where you're at college. It's amazing how, um, as a, as adults, like I'm, I'm going to be 60 this year, and there have been times in my life when someone has said to me, you know that little thing you said or did some years back, I never forgot it. Or I saw the way you were with your child, or I saw the way you were in this circumstance, and it impacted my life. And so I think giving children, you know, giving our children that sense that when they go out into the world, living an authentic life of faith, persevering in, in discovering their passions and how they are gifted and called by God has an, a ripple effect. It has an impact on others and helps draw them to Christ without them necessarily having to be standing on a street corner and preaching the gospel. That's exactly right. Yeah. People are always watching to see yeah, how you talk about something or what you say. And so there's so many, so many opportunities for evangelizing and living your faith out on any college campus. So any parting thoughts as parents are kind of taking this in and saying, okay, here's what I, here, here's some of our strengths, here's some, some of our weaknesses. Is there anything else that you wanted to, to just share? Yeah, I do. Definitely. When I think about um, some of the, I know homeschooling families can be so busy and that it can be hard to make sure that your student is ready for whatever opportunity comes after high school. And, and some parents may be thinking, you know, I'm not sure if college is the right place for my student or what type of college would be the best fit. But regardless, I think it's really important to um, realize that our role as parents during high school is to just make sure they're, they're eligible to do whatever they need to do after college. And so that's why when my student was in high school and I kind of looked around and saw that some of the other families who were so busy with little, you know, homeschooling little ones while I was just kind of focused on, on my high school daughter, I realized, you know, they could really use some assistance in this role as being their student's guidance counselor in high school, their college counselor. And so what I started doing, I started just keeping track of good advice that I was hearing from other families, good advice that I was hearing from college uh, admission officials. And so I put that into a guide for parents. And Lisa, I think you said you'd have the link for this guide at the... Oh, yes. Um, and, and there were other resource links too that you wanted to share and we will have them all at the show page. But tell us uh, about this resource. This is yeah. Really yeah, I'm really excited about this. It's I'll show... Oh, you... I don't know if you'll see this or not, but well, I'll... We have we the... eventually. Okay. <laughs> show the video. We, we have the 
Catholic Homeschool Student and Parent Guide to Preparing for College Admission. So it's a long title because we wanted it to capture just everything about it. It's for Catholics, it's for homeschoolers, and it's for both their students and parents. So you'll both, both students and parents will find it helpful. And it can be requested at benedictine.edu slash homeschool guide. But what it does is it takes us through how to create, how to help our student create a resume. Um, and, and it also takes into account their academics, their service opportunities, extracurriculars, and work experience, along with references and interests that they might have. So I've just found that, you know, some, some parents thought, oh, gosh, my student hasn't done much of anything yet, but they need a resume in order to apply for a scholarship or in order to apply for a program of distinction at a college. And um, so this just helps your student work through how to develop their own resume. And there's a sample student resume of a homeschooler, um, how a homeschooler has presented themselves on paper for a college to look at. Um, there's also information about making a homeschool transcript. So if you're not using a, a homeschool curriculum that will provide you with a transcript at the end of your student's four years, you'll be making your own transcript. And so we have a sample of what admission officials at Benedictine want to see. But we also have a list of just tips in general. And one of our main one is to always reach out to the colleges that your student may be interested in attending to find out what they require on a transcript. But there's some helpful advice about how to make your homeschool transcript official, what makes it official, um, how to denote dual enrollment classes, things like that. And then we have a college planning timeline that starts in freshman year of high school and goes through senior year. So I, I always love that. Yeah, I just tell parents, like, go ahead and order this guide when your student is in eighth grade. You start taking a look at it to see what's kind of ahead for your next four years. And it's specifically geared towards homeschoolers because I know my student had taken standardized tests in our own home, but she had never taken one in a classroom setting. So I wanted her to practice her freshman year and sophomore year. I just signed her up for the test at the local high school because I knew it didn't account for anything. I knew we wouldn't use the score for any reason, but I wanted her to practice being in a classroom where students are blowing their nose or shifting in their seats or making, tapping their pencil, things like that while she was trying to fill in all the bubbles. Mm -hmm. and so um, there are just tips like that in this college planning timeline. And then we also have a little comparison chart that students can use when they're visiting colleges with a list that we here at Benedictine think are important questions to ask when your student is visiting colleges. And they can use it to compare all of their college visits and see kind of where where um, they might find themselves drawn to or where God might be calling them to. So I definitely would recommend that um, that parents, if they feel like this would be helpful as they're trying to guide their student through their high school years, that they reach out and request this free guide. Mm, so again, that will be at our, our show notes for the podcast, but it's benedictine.edu slash homeschool guide. And this is a free resource, right, Megan, that they can just ask for and you'll send That's it? That's right. Us. Yeah. So it's free and you'll get it immediately electronically. So you'll be able to look at it right away. And then we drop one in the mail to you just a day or two later. So you'll get a hard copy that your student can write in and check off boxes as they, as they go through the checklist. 
That's fabulous. What an amazing service. And I love that it's coming from an actual homeschool mom who, as you walked through those years, you drew from various people and recommendations and tried things. So this is from a homeschooled person. And uh, and so much of the feedback that you gave us today was from professors and people who had experience either working extensively with homeschooled students or being homeschooled themselves or both. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah, it does. I, I love having that kind of insight, you know, because I, I know how I felt as I was preparing my daughter. I, I was I would hear advice from different um, people. And I so I just put it all into one one guide. And I'm always open to more advice, too. So if anyone requests the guide and have have a great um, tidbit of advice for another homeschooling family, we'd love to incorporate it into the guide as well. How wonderful. So we can all help build this guide out over time. That's just a great resource. Um, Megan, thank you so much for taking the time out of your extremely busy schedule to be with us today. You're such a joyful presence. And uh, I have no doubt that the, the students on campus at Benedictine really enjoy interacting with you and being encouraged by you. Oh, yeah. It's one of my my favorite things to do is to get to, I mean, that's what makes a college community what it is. And that's why we love um, having homeschoolers on our campus because they seem so uniquely suited to the college life because they're, they want to grow in community. They're excited about their faith and scholarship is an incredibly important part of their life. So we, we are just blessed to have um, just a beautiful group of families and students around us here at Benedictine College. Amen. And, and, uh, and everybody, do come to the show notes for the link for that free guide, the Catholic Homeschool Student and Parent Guide for Preparing for College Admissions. And this has been Megan Facero from Benedictine College, and I'm Lisa Maladnik. Stay tuned, everyone, for our short feature coming right up. Hi, this is Dan Luzonis from EinsteinBlueprint.com, and today I want to talk about the superiority of self-employment and why we should steer our homeschool kids in that direction, rather than just reflexively send them out into the corporate workforce like everybody else. First of all, even though I have a degree in economics from an Ivy League college, even though I've never worked for a large company, and even though I've been self-employed for over 20 years, I'm still just right now discovering and appreciating the full windfall, all the freedom and perks that only independent business owners enjoy. Probably because right now I'm a time-strapped parent living in ultra-expensive New York City, and I have to shell out for braces for my teenagers. Before I dive into these inarguable benefits, I want to start out by cataloging all the unpleasantness independent business owners sidestep. After all, decades of scientific marketing research has proven that negativity, that the peddling of fear and warning of imminent pain, outsells positivity by a factor of three to one. This is no joke. When I was nearing the end of my undergraduate studies at the University of Pennsylvania and about to enter grad school, I hit the eject button just in time. And I excitedly jumped into the world of equity derivative trading in large part because I was scared to death of working at a big insurance company, scared to death of wearing a suit and tie every day, but mostly horrified at the prospect of having to grow my hair out to a respectable length. Seriously, this was the pain and discomfort, a haircut I was eager to avoid. 
people fortunate enough to own their own businesses totally avoid the pain of the rat race. They don't have to endure soul-crushing daily commutes. They don't have to submit to bullying bosses. They don't have to suffer unkind coworkers or navigate petty office politics. The self-employed are not permanently tethered to their email inboxes and cell phones, nor are they forced to travel far afield for business meetings. On the positive side, it's pretty obvious that the self-employed have the potential to earn far more money while working a whole lot less. In fact, they have unlimited earning potential. But I want to paint the upside with a different brush. Psychologists mostly all agree that human happiness is a strict function of one thing and one thing only, control. It's not the material stuff or the leisure that more money and time can buy, but rather the freedom and autonomy they provide. Your self-employed children will be far happier with extra currency to invest in their relationships. They'll be able to spend more time with their wife or husband, more high-quality time with their own children. They'll have the bandwidth to take care of their aging parents. And that would be us very soon. With their own thriving businesses, they'll also have sufficient time to take care of their bodies, to exercise and eat healthier home-cooked meals. Perhaps most importantly, they'll have the capacity to go to daily mass and devote themselves to charitable causes. Again, all because self-employment gave them far more control over every single aspect of their lives. I'm just scratching the surface here and could easily go on and on about the benefits of self-employment, about all the serious risks it can neutralize, how it can help families save a boatload by skipping college, about all the worrying it can save us from. Because let's face it, we'd all sleep a lot sounder right now if our teenagers were precocious entrepreneurs who were already buying their own food and clothing. Look, in wrapping up, I want to point out that as homeschoolers, we are already striving to give our kids the ideal academic education. So I say, why not build upon that foundation and also aim for the ideal career path too? If you want more information and resources on how to nudge your homeschooled kids down the yellow brick road to abundant self-employment, then visit my 14-year-old son's website, kidsgetrich.com. And that's our show for today. Our program is sponsored by homeschoolconnections.com. Be sure to subscribe to Homeschooling Saints and leave us an honest review. God bless you and thank you for joining us.